I am a feminist and I feel like things, you know, generally things with women need to change. We need to have the choice. We need to be able to decide what to do with our own bodies. Pregnancy is a nine month thing. It, you do have a child at the end of it. It's a lot to think about. It's a mm -hmm. huge decision to make and it's not something that men need to worry about. So I just feel really passionately about it that, that women should have the choice there. Having worked on this and having spoken to the women who have had illegal abortions there, what they've had to go through is just horrifying. It's really, really hard to hear. You're listening to a Pretty Normal Podcast, a show that highlights the fascinating stories and thought-provoking moments that make up our lives. My name's Xavier Diaz, and I want to hear your story. On this week's episode, I got to speak to Lucy DeCruz, a filmmaker and director of the documentary Abortion, My Body, Their Choice. Lucy, alongside Andrew Gold, document the horror stories of unwanted pregnancies and back alley abortions in Argentina, a society where abortion is still illegal. Lucy and Andrew are currently trying to fund the completion of their film on Indiegogo. So if you want to learn more about their film, make sure to check out the link in the description. I wanted to speak to Lucy about the making of the film. So without further ado, enjoy this great interview. Lucy DeCruz, you are the director of Abortion, My Body, Their Choice, and you are currently trying to fund the completion of this project on Indiegogo. So I am here to help because I think this is an amazing thing that you're doing. I think it's a really cool subject and an interesting area of the world that you've covered. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? You were not born in Argentina, correct? No, not at all, no. So I moved to Argentina in 2014, spent a year there and I ended up going back again about two and a half years ago and stayed for another two years. Absolutely loved living in the country, but obviously being a woman living there, I quickly sort of began to realize it's a very male dominated society. Yeah, I don't have any Argentine background, but it just felt like a really important topic to cover, especially sort of from having a firsthand experience of living there. You are a filmmaker, so in your decision to move and relocate where you were relocating to, was Argentina a destination because of what was going on? Or was that just a, something that you saw later on when you were living there that you thought that this needs to be highlighted? Yeah, so initially I, I didn't really go with the intentions of making a film or anything. I just kind of wanted the experience of living in a different country and learning a new language. But yeah, having lived there for a little while, that's basically why I went back is that I, there were so many stories going on of different things that I basically wanted to go back and make a film of my own. And it mm -hmm. seemed um, like a really important topic. I wanted to, you know, something to, that was a really hard hitting important topic to make a film about. And following the Ni Una Menos campaign, which is a campaign against domestic violence, there was going to be a Senate vote for the law on abortion. And it just I just couldn't sit by and not document what was going on. It just felt something really important, especially after the law change in Ireland just the year before. It felt mm -hmm. like a really current and relevant topic to, to cover. I don't know how much of it you followed the passing of the law in Ireland, but did you see any similarities between the lead up to the vote in Ireland and the lead up to the vote in Argentina? There's lots of similarities, yeah. I think the main one being that both countries are very Catholic countries. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the, they call themselves pro-lifers, I like to call them anti-choice. I think a lot of that side 
are very Catholic and very religious and they're kind of, they don't want the change basically. I think they're perhaps worried about their values and their beliefs, you know, being trodden on. Whereas I think the thing that they're not sort of maybe considering is the fact that illegal abortion is going to continue happening anyway, regardless of whether the law changes. So even if the law stays as it is, illegal abortion will continue to happen. It's just the fact that women are not having a safe and legal environment to do it in. So that's obviously very dangerous for them. Um, people can't afford it either. So it should be, in my opinion, covered under sort of healthcare and healthcare mm-hmm. is free in Argentina. In Ireland, the law did pass. In Argentina, the vote was rejected by 38 to 31 in the Senate. Why do you think that it it didn't pass in Argentina, but it somehow managed to pass in Ireland? I think perhaps Ireland are a little sort of more forward in it's more of a developed country it's a little mm-hmm. bit more progressive than Argentina I think Argentina is still very much a developing country but I think as well as a lot of South America Argentina is a very male dominated society and women do face a lot of issues there as I mentioned before the new Menos com- campaign against domestic violence for example um, there are a lot of things that I kind of feel like women are a little bit suppressed perhaps in Argentina mm-hmm. and it is the case that amongst the Senate there are a lot of kind of older Catholic men in the Senate not that I don't think that men should be involved at all in you know the vote and what happens I think it's really important that that they are involved but with having a lot of kind of older men who are Catholic in the Senate. They don't want things to change. They don't perhaps, you know, understand what a woman has to go through Mm -hmm. in terms of pregnancy and things like that. And so because they are the ones that are making these decisions, you know, they're not listening to the younger generation and the the women who are fighting so hard Mm -hmm. to have the choice over their own bodies. In my research preparing for this, something that I thought was interesting that I came across was that the Argentinian government used to go as far as to prohibit the sale of contraceptives for several decades in the late 20th century. So, and even in terms of Latin America, this was seen as, you know, very, very extreme, like banning the sale of even contraceptives. It's it's interesting how Argentina has been historically. And, you know, because there's so many immigrants that that came from Europe to uh, to Argentina, I think it's very interesting how that has shaped their views on abortion there. Why do you think that this has exploded like this did uh, before this vote? Like why right now in history? So I think it's a lot to do with the younger generation. I think it's a lot of like the younger generation kind of from teenage years up to kind of the age of 40-ish seems to be the age where young women and men of that age as well are sort of rising up to try and make a change. I think, as you say, back in the day, you know, contraception was banned. And it's, again, a lot of that, I think, comes from a sort of a religious traditionalist background mm-hmm. of people who don't want those those values to disappear. I know a lot of the pro-life, anti-choice side are very against sex education in schools. They just simply don't want people having sex before marriage. And that's mm-hmm. as simple as that. So I think they are trying to, by by banning contraception and things like that, they're not seeing the other side and the fact that obviously sex before marriage is still going to happen anyway. They're too sort of focused on the traditional side of it and their their religious beliefs that it shouldn't happen. They think that that's the way around it. So I think the reason that it's kind of exploded now is that people are trying to make a change. And it's not just the younger generation. There's a lot of the older generation as well that are very, you know, passionate about it. 
And I think it's just kind of like things are beginning to change. There. There's lots of protests, lots of campaigns going on in Argentina constantly to try and sort of fight for change. So it just seems to be a very current movement, particularly amongst women, I would say. And there's supposed to be presidential elections held on October 27th. Where yeah. does the current president, Mauricio Macri, uh, stand right now on ter in terms of abortion? And where do the other candidates kind of hover? So I think he is wanting it to stay as it is, mm -hmm. um, which is illegal. Um, I know Christina, the previous prime minister, was very pro-choice. Mm -hmm. um, it may be that she comes back in. And I mean, I don't honestly know too much about all the, the, that side of it, but mm -hmm. I think it's just obviously a lot of the public are putting a lot of pressure on for a change, but it has to obviously be the Senate that votes as a whole anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I live in the United States. And right now in this year, we had three different states pass very strict anti-abortion laws. So uh, this seems mm -hmm. like it's something yeah. that's happening worldwide. And it's interesting because in one hand, it was such a big victory for Ireland when they passed uh, their abortion bill. And then you have other parts of the world where they're just trying to, you know, do away with it completely. So it's such an interesting dynamic that's going on in the world. And another thing that I came across when I was doing research was that there are certain circumstances where I guess the penalties will get waived if you do have an abortion in Argentina. And those three exceptions were if the pregnant woman's life or health was in danger, if the pregnancy was the result of a rape, and if the pregnant woman was mentally disabled. Those are pretty specific. Like, so, yeah, I think it's really interesting what you said. And with regards to, you know, the United, the United States um, laws being changed the opposite way there, it almost seems going backwards. And mm -hmm. I um, I know in Australia as well, there's still a state in New South Wales where it's still legal as well. I think the interesting thing is that, so for example, the in the UK, it is legal, but mm -hmm. you do have to go through, I think it's three doctors um, before you can have it signed off. And okay. the interesting thing is that in Argentina, the law, the actual written text of the law is the same as the UK. It's just how they perceive it. Mm -hmm. So as you said, there's the three, interesting. three different cases where abortion is allowed. But I know there have been, you know, rape cases or there are cases where the woman's life could be in danger, but she's still not allowed an abortion. It's just seen very differently there. There was a woman in the north of Argentina. She discovered that she had cancer and she was about to go for cancer treatment, but then they found out she was pregnant. So she was not able to have the chemotherapy or the radiotherapy because they said it would harm the baby. So she died and the baby died as well. So in terms of what the pro-choices are fighting for, I think a lot of people do just want to have that choice, have that option. But I think especially like, you know, there's there's lots of different cases where abortion is kind of needed. But I think in general that women do just need to have have the choice. And it's as simple as that. The pro-life term is so interesting because it makes you think like if you're against pro-life, then like I don't want to be anti-life. I don't see myself as anti-life. It's such a weird way that they've kind of constructed mm -hmm, the conversation yeah. where they make everybody seem like if you're pro-choice, you're actually anti-life. wanted to talk to you about Mariana Rodriguez Varela, also known as the crazy baby lady. She's a prominent pro-life figure in Argentina and she is, I guess, a, a prominent subject in your documentary. What was it like? speaking to her and interviewing her so it was really interesting to meet her actually and as you say like the pro-life i don't really like the term pro-life i 
prefer mm-hmm. to call them anti-choice because I, it's not like I'm pro-abortion and no one thinks um, of an abortion lightly. It's a very difficult decision to make. Mm-hmm. And it's just having that choice. And meeting her, it was very interesting to hear her side. And we really wanted to make sure we did you know, show the other side to sort of get in, into her head and un- try to understand the other side's point of view, even though both myself and Andrew are pro-choice. Meeting her was interesting. She had really, really extreme views. She invited us to her home and her tables and chairs were just absolutely covered in plastic fetuses that she takes what? around with her and um, tries to convince people not to have abortions. Mm-hmm. Um, she's obviously very passionate about what she does. And having sort of discussed things with her, it was difficult not to like her. She comes across as quite a likable character, although she is very extreme and we don't agree with her views at all. So it was very interesting to sort of see her and how passionate she was about it. But mm-hmm. it was also just kind of baffling to say to her, well, you know, what would happen if your daughter was raped? And she said, well, she'd keep the baby and I would not allow her to kill my grandson. Wow. So it's just very interesting, a very interesting way of thinking. And she is very against sex education in schools. She has sort of told her children that none of them to have sex before marriage. And she is just very passionately going around trying to stop anyone and everyone from having an abortion. Yeah, she is very interesting character. I came across somebody else who was similar to her. Uh, her name is Leela Rose. She's, I think, the creator of Live Action, which is a pro-life movement here in the United States. And what you said is true: is that they have this charis, this charisma to them, where they are kind of they seem likable, and it just you know they position themselves as the the true feminists, the true women's rights uh, people, because they say that abortion is anti-women. When you were speaking to her. Were you ever afraid that giving her this platform to spew this type of information was going to lead more people actually to the uh, anti-abortion side? It is a tricky one. And yes, we were concerned about giving her a platform. But I think at the same time, we really needed to show that side of the argument because, you know, to try and bridge the gap in the country's divide, we needed to kind of show that side as well. And I think also even more so for the pro-choices, it's important to just show the extremes of what the other side are going to. Mm -hmm. So I think more than showcasing her, it would actually hopefully bring more awareness to the situation and cause more people to get up and fight for the choice. Yeah, I agree. You got to show both sides and then let people know. And but the the information has to be accurate. So yeah, they can't be trying to, you know, pass out misinformation and kind of manipulate the conversation the way that I think the pro-life term is because it has manipulated it to the point where if you're against pro-life it seems like you're pro-abortion but that may not be the case you just want the access to be there for women yeah definitely and it's exactly that and we sort of tried to explain that to her as well um, but obviously she's just too set in her in her views on things. Um, so but yeah, when you when you talk to people that are so set in their ways, you know, some of these people that are just overly religious, how do you go into those conversations in and try to change their minds? What do you do? People that say abortion is murder. How do you go in there and kind of, you know, without disrespecting them or coming off as confrontational how do you get them to you know maybe change their mind on this because it is such a polarizing issue so it is really difficult to do and i think we challenged her quite a lot and we asked her lots of different questions about medical terms and you know things that we felt that she 
was sort of misinformed about or was kind of like putting putting misinformation onto other people, sort of telling people that, you know, after a week or two that the, the fetus is fully formed, that has its limbs and things like that, which we kind of know is, is not the case. Um, mm -hmm. She, we definitely challenged her with a particular topic that she was talking about, saying that the fetus feels and that it can feel pain. Mm -hmm. And Andrew put it to her that, well, how, how do you know that it can feel pain? It's, there's no proof of that. And she said, well, if I touch your arm, you can feel it. If I, you know, if you're asleep and I wake you up, you can feel it. And he said, well, I can move my arm in my sleep and I don't feel it. I don't know what's happening when I'm asleep. So mm -hmm. how do you know that a fetus of a week or two into, you know, it's, it's, life form can feel anything and she she doesn't really and there were some sort of long silences we noticed that going out to the rallies and on the streets that a lot of the anti-choice side were very misinformed they were thinking that you could have an abortion right up to and after nine months they were saying some of them so it's just yeah a lot of it is just misinformation that they're they're fighting for something but they don't have the correct facts yeah uh and i think something that people should know I came across was that only 1.3 of abortions happen after 20 weeks. And a lot of that times it's because the mother didn't know, she didn't realize that she was pregnant. And then the access to get an abortion was just limited so that by the time that she was able to access it, it had gone over the 20 week mark. But I don't think there are many cases where women go that long and just to get it aborted afterwards. So I do think that's something that we need to correct people on when when they say that, because it is such a anti-abortion talking point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think I think it's really rare. I know in, in the UK it is legal up to 24 weeks, but I think that's really, really rare cases when there might be a problem with the fetus or a problem with the mother. I don't think it's, you know, what some people on the other side might be thinking that anyone can just go and like abort a, a baby up to when it's full term. It's that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about some of the hidden camera work that you did when you were gaining access to the crisis pregnancy centers? Yeah. So uh, we spoke to an Irish immigrant who had undergone a horrific illegal abortion in Argentina before the law change in Ireland. She told us that there were these rogue abortion clinics around the city. Um, so we decided to get in touch with one and go and check it out. And she told us that she'd had a horrific experience when she was in search for getting an abortion in the country. And she'd ended up at one of these rogue clinics by accident. And they're basically often run by Catholics, not always particularly religious, but they're, they're run by the anti-choice pro-life side. And basically we went in, I, I phoned them first and I was told that they could help me get the abortion pill. So I booked an appointment. I went in, it was a, an address that I was just given a few hours before the appointment. We got a taxi there and rung the doorbell. You go through into an apartment in a big sort of apartment building. You're kind of locked into the apartment once you get in. There's a little waiting area and there was a child playing on the floor. And I think this was all kind of part of a a sort of a whole setup that they'd put on to try and prevent you from having the abortion. So the lady who let us in constantly kept coming in and interacting with the child who was playing with toys. Um, there was no one else in there, so there was no need for us to wait. I think it was all just part of what they do to try and try and stop you from having an abortion. Eventually, we were taken through to another room mm -hmm. and met with a lady and a man who sat us down. I went with Andrew as well. Um, I took a pregnant urine sample with me just in case they, they asked me to do a test. Mm -hmm. And 
they basically sat us down and gave me a leaflet full of um, untrue facts. Well, not facts, but untrue information about how once I have an abortion, I may never be able to conceive again, that I would be left with depression, that there were risks of cancer, all these different things that were Mm -hmm. untrue and basically spent about half an hour, 40 minutes trying to convince me not to have an abortion. They even offered me a free scan and it was a lot of pressure. Even the fact that I was in there, obviously not pregnant, not really needing an abortion, I felt very intimidated. And these centers are supposed to be objective, correct? Like when you go in there, they're supposed to just give you both sides of it or who runs these these centers? It's a center run by anti-choice, anti-choice people, Mm -hmm. pro-lifers. It's basically what they do is they pose themselves as a center to help women get an abortion, but it's, it's all fake. So they advertise themselves online as a center to help women in a situation who are trying to get an abortion in an illegal country. But actually what they are is a center to try and prevent women from getting an abortion. So it's just a a fake abortion clinic, basically. And they advertise themselves in that way because they're trying to put their views onto people to stop them from having the choice and from having abortions. We're going to take a short break. Take this time to go and subscribe to the show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out the description. We got a whole bunch of links in there that'll take you directly to whatever platform you listen to your podcast on. Also take this time to go check out Lucy's Indiegogo campaign. She's trying to raise money to complete it. So make sure you go support that if you like what you've been listening to during this interview. Support independent journalism. Support people that are out there covering events like this. People that are unafraid to speak to those with perspectives that are different than their own. And yeah, if you like the show, stay tuned. We got way more with Lucy DeCruz, the filmmaker and director of Abortion, My Body, Their Choice. My name is Xavier Diaz, and this is A Pretty Normal Podcast. In the the trailer to your documentary, at one point, you know, there's explosions going on and it's it gets very, very intense at the climax. Was it ever scary to you to be around all of that while that was going on with tensions so high between both groups? It was quite scary, yes. Um, and I have to say that I was you know, worried about my camera equipment and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I just felt it was such an important moment to document that we tried to stay there as long as we could. Eventually, we were left running from tear gas that was being thrown by the police. And wow. so we just had to get out of there. And then once we were kind of on the back streets, the quieter streets of Buenos Aires, where it's not quite so safe, we had to just get in a taxi and go home. So yeah, we did stay there until about four o'clock in the morning because we wanted to see what would happen. And it was amazing to see how many pro-choices stuck around, still fighting and still determined and chanting and singing, even though the boat had gone the other way, they Mm -hmm. were all still there trying to fight for change. So it was really amazing to see. It was like such an incredible experience to be involved in, despite the fact that the, the, the Senate vote didn't, you know, didn't go the way that we'd hoped. It was still amazing to see the positivity from everyone that was there as pro-choices that they still think that and hope, you know, they're still fighting for change going forward. So the movement hasn't deterred since the vote. Are they putting pressure for another vote? Is there another vote set yet? They are, yes. There's not another vote set at the moment, but I'm pretty sure there will be one within the next year. Mm -hmm. And fingers crossed, if we do manage to get this film finished Mm -hmm. before the next vote, we really hope that it will help put pressure on for change and Mm -hmm. help spread awareness and, yeah, just help 
help um, move things forward so that there is more pressure for change. Mm-hmm. Why is this topic so important to you specifically? I felt I feel like as a woman, it's really important to me because in living in a country, I'm, I'm obviously from the UK and living in a country where there is the choice, obviously it is, you know, the law is technically the same as Argentina, but if you really wanted or needed an abortion, you can get one by going through these two or three doctors. It's a lot simpler than it is there. And so I just feel really passionately from having lived in Argentina that where I come from a country that it's, you know, that it's possible to get that, that they should have the option there. And I think it's um, it's something that really needs to change in a lot of different countries around the world. It's not just Argentina, mm-hmm. but I just, yeah, I, I'm, I am a feminist and I feel like things, you know, generally things with women need to change. We need to have the choice. We need to be able to decide what to do with our own bodies. Pregnancy is a nine month thing. It, it, you do have a child at the end of it. It's a lot to think about. It's a mm-hmm. huge decision to make and it's not something that men need to worry about. So I just feel really passionately about it that that women should have the choice there. You know, having worked on this and having spoken to the women who have had illegal abortions there, what they've had to go through is just horrifying. It's really, really hard to hear. And so it's just something that I feel really, really needs to change. Mm -hmm. There was a man in the clip in your trailer who says that women need to listen to men when it comes to this. Was that a sentiment that you came across a lot when you were interviewing different men on the streets? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I think that is a little bit of what I was saying earlier. It's a bit of the mindset in Argentina. It is a very male dominated society and it's, you know, it kind of really riles me. It makes me really angry to hear things like that because why, why should it be? It's, um, it's not the man who has to go through nine months of pregnancy. It's not them who has to breastfeed. It's not them who has to give birth to a to a child. You know, I'm not saying at all that men shouldn't have a say and they shouldn't have their opinions. I think it's really important to get the backing of men and there's a lot of men on the pro-choice side as well, but I don't think it should be their right to say to a woman, you have to go through this pregnancy and give birth to this child. There's no way that, you know, a man can understand what it is to go through that. So it's, yeah, it's really hard to hear and it seems sort of very you know old-fashioned and mm-hmm. you know not modern and not in the in this day and age here and now i don't think that we should be going through this it's, it shouldn't even be something that's um you know that's being debated it should just be a choice yeah i mean latin america for sure has always had a problem with what is machismo and marianismo the term that you know women should be pure and women shouldn't know about sex they should act as if they are innocent similar to the virgin mary so i think latin america is always going to have an issue with that do you think that there's any compromise possible between the pro-life and the pro-choice movements do you think that there is a middle ground that can be reached I think there might be able to be a middle ground. (laughs) Actually, no, scrap that. (laughs) Right? I don't think so. I don't Um, think that it's possible because if you are pro-choice, you need to give the choice and you need to have it accessible. And then if you're anti-abortion, you just don't want it at all. Like they're not even satisfied with having the, the three waivers. I feel like they want, you know, complete restriction against it. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, I think there might be perhaps some leeway on that side, but having the the people we've spoken to, I think, no, they just don't think that it should be allowed whatsoever. And I think that's it. I think more so on the pro-choice side, people might be a little bit more open to the fact that, okay, well, 
yeah, you shouldn't be able to have an abortion after 24 weeks, for example, because <laughs> the child is fully formed. And it is like, you know, people do give birth after that time and have premature babies that who survive and it's you know it's quite late on and I kind of feel you know I I have certain feelings about that that I wouldn't I wouldn't particularly think that it would be okay to have an abortion at that later stage unless you know there was sort of some reason there was a medical reason or there was something wrong with the baby or with the with the mother there's obviously certain cases where that needs to happen but mm-hmm. um on the other side on the the anti-choice side I think it's just there's no, you know, there's no kind of um, compromise or or any way that they would agree to anything at all. I think mm-hmm. they just say no to it. We interviewed a doctor who had performed an abortion on a child, I think, of the age of 12, who had been raped, I think, by an uncle or something awful. She'd been allowed to have an abortion in Argentina because she was raped and she was so young. But they held a ceremony in the hospital for the fetus and there was no support for the young girl and it's just like how is that being you know how is that going on that the the young girl's getting no support there's no ceremony or assistance for her but they're holding a, a ceremony for the unborn fetus which is not even a living person yet so i think there's mm. a lot of you know that's what i don't understand about that side of it yeah, I spoke to somebody. She came out and said, abortion is not for me. I respect the access and I am pro-choice and that we should have the accessibility for women to have it. But for herself, she knew she would never get an abortion if it ever came to that. And she said something some, uh, along the lines of, you know, well, what about having the child and then giving it up to an orphanage? Because there are so many couples in the world that do want to adopt and that can have children and that would love to, you know, take this child that somebody else isn't in the position to take care of. What do you feel about that argument? I think it's, you know, it's a it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because that's that would be sort of what Mariana Mariana's the crazy baby lady that would be what her views would be mm-hmm. but I still think at the end of the day you're you're putting your body through an awful lot you're going through mm-hmm. nine months of pregnancy you're going through labor you're going through childbirth you've then got a child that you've got to give up it's it's a huge emotional and traumatic thing to go through so it's you know it's making that decision early on do I have an abortion at the stage where it's a fetus and it's not a living human baby Mm-hmm. Or do I put myself through nine months of pregnancy, giving birth to then have this awful emotional experience to have to then give the child away and mm-hmm. have this child in the world that then you don't know what's go- it's going to happen to it. You know, it's, um, I just, yeah, I just think you need to be able to have the choice very early on as yeah. to whether you want to go through all of that. Because yes, there are a lot of unwanted children in the world and as much as yes the child might go to an orphanage and might be adopted by a nice family he or she also might not and you don't know what's going to happen so Mm -hmm. as much as I don't want to say well you know it would be better if all these children aren't in the world I'm not saying that at all Uh but if you can have the choice early on to not bring that child into the world that should be an option one problem that I can foresee is did you say that in the UK you need to get, you know, the consensus of three doctors for, uh, I think beforehand? It's, three. It's, like, it's two or three. Yes, I think it might be three. So something I could foresee being a problem is where do the doctors in Argentina stand on this? Because what if they themselves have, you know, their own morals and then they refuse to sign off on this? Yeah, it's a difficult one. I think if the law was changed, 
then that would be um, a process that would have to be looked at objectively. And mm -hmm. so you, you wouldn't be able to bring your own you know, views or opinions into that. It would have to be an objective situation that's based on medical you know, facts and knowledge and based on the law. So it is a difficult one, but I think if the law was changed, then that would be have, have to be something mm -hmm. that's changed. There's also a lot of doctors who are performing illegal abortions because they are pro-choice. Mm -hmm. um, and they're obviously doing that uh, with a, a big high risk to themselves, but they are doing it because they want they want things to change and they want people to be able to have that option. The problem with having it be illegal is that it is then it can become a business for certain people to, you know, perform this shoddy work that is not, you know, it's not being supervised by anybody, but they're making money from it. So that's the big problem with letting it be illegal because then a black market forms around it. Yeah, it's a huge problem. And as you say, it is very unsafe. You've got no sort of medical care or follow-up care afterwards. The girl that we interviewed, the Irish immigrant, she literally went to a rundown apartment that was for sale. She was taken into a back room. She paid $1,000 in cash. She was strapped to a table, knocked out under general anesthetic, which she wasn't, wasn't expecting. Woke up 45 minutes later, vomiting, and was just sent out and sent home. And wow. that was the extent of it. And as she said, she's fit and strong and healthy and she managed to get through it and survive. But she's sure and I'm sure there's lots of women that don't. So it's mm -hmm. yeah. And it is really difficult that, yeah, that's happening and that people are making a business from it, you know, a thousand pounds, thousand dollars in cash. But it's also a huge risk. I don't from what I've heard and the people I've spoken to, I don't get the sense that these doctors are you know, doing it because they're like, oh, let's make a thousand dollars an hour and get all this cash in. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure there probably is a bit of an element to that, but I think it's that they're doing it because, you know, there's no other option and that they want to help help people. But I mean, I don't know that for sure. And yes, as you say, I'm sure there probably are some who mm -hmm. are doing it for the money and it's, it's yeah, it just, it just shouldn't be going on, but that will continue to happen as long as it's um, illegal. So, and women aren't getting the help that they need. They need, and it is gonna carry on. I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of the people on the anti-choice side don't seem to realize that illegal abortions will continue to happen anyway. Nothing's going to change in that regard. The only thing that will change is that perhaps less, you know, women's lives will be lost because they will have a safe and legal place to go and, and have an abortion. So that's what's going to change because illegal abortions will continue to happen anyway. Yeah. Um, there's also, you know, we've heard about awful attempts at home abortions using anything from knitting needles to coat hangers, stalks of parsley to create an infection in the uterus, which doesn't always then cause an, um, an abortion, but just ends up with the woman very, very unwell. So there's a lot of things that are going on like that. And it's that's not going to change. So, you know, with a law change, it's just going to allow a safe and legal option for women. With regards to what your the other lady you said as well, that, um, you know, she'd never get an abortion herself, but she thinks that there should be the option. I think that's that's just it. It's like it shouldn't be for somebody else to, to decide. Mm -hmm. And as much as you know, I, I have a lot of friends who who would say they would never get an abortion. I don't know if I would myself, but I just think it's really important to be able to have that choice. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the way that it needs to be framed. I think we need to stop allowing the the conversation to be held from the side of, you know, if they're they're completely for um, 
aborting and murdering kids like even the language now being used here in uh the united states is they're saying things like execution and telling people that you know the the doctor will deliver the baby and then within a, a few hours go and murder it like they you know oh, they're oh, now yeah. yeah they're they're making this equal to infanticide and it's just the whole conversation needs to be shifted because it, it's i think that the majority of people are you know just give the access just let women make that choice between them and their doctor yeah i yeah i completely agree and i think it's it's as you're saying it's there is a lot of misinformation out there on the other side with regards to yeah like you know giving birth and then the baby fully formed at mm-hmm. you know however many weeks is is then being killed it's not the case and i think mm-hmm. that's what a lot of what we heard in in argentina as well was that people were saying you know women are having abortions after after nine months um which is obviously not true <laughs> there was one guy who said to us well what if i have a daughter then and i just go and kill her um should that be allowed and we said well no of course not no that's, what? Not, that's not what the case is here um so that's all in our in our, um i'm sure you've seen the trailer but with with regards to us actually you know putting together the final version that will all be in there people that we've interviewed mm-hmm. and things that we've said. And how is this different from some of your past work? So I've worked in all sorts of um, different genres, actually, throughout my career. I've done a lot of sports TV. I've done reality TV. I've done documentaries. And this is quite different because it's just such a, a an important topic that I'm really passionate about. Um, I've done sort of little mini documentaries and things before that have been on important topics. But I would say that this is probably the, the biggest one so far that I've just felt really, really passionate that this story needs to be told. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing for me. And just because it's been so firsthand for me as well, like I was living in the country through this situation that was going on. And um, it's actually the first long form film that I've directed myself as well and shot myself. I did most of the shooting. So um, it's been sort of very hands on and very, very firsthand for me. Mm-hmm. I began as an editor, so it's um, it's uh, been really useful to have that um, that background. But it's mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's sort of how it's differed for me is that it's just a topic that I'm really really passionate about. For those listening, can you tell them how their money will help you if they fund you through Indiegogo? Yeah, of course. So myself and Andrew have entirely self-funded this film. We managed to have a very small crew of people who helped us on the shoots and none of us were paid. We just worked out, out of solely out of passion on this project. And we're basically at the post-production stage now. So which is obviously a really, really expensive task, getting all of the color grading done, the music licensing, getting a final audio mix put on it basically getting everything ready so that it's to broadcast standards so that we can get it out and broadcast and distributed so that the world can see it. So basically any every penny that is donated to our crowdfunding campaign will go towards the post-production process. It's not going to go to myself and Andrew at all. We're basically going to put it back into the film to get it finished and, and get it out there. So any penny that is put into the um, the fund will will help us get this film over the finishing line so that we can tell the story. Amazing. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and where they can support you? Yep. So we are on Instagram as at My Body Their Choice. We are on Facebook, My Body Their Choice as well. And you can search for us on Indiegogo. Uh, the name of the film is My Body Their Choice. So if you go on Indiegogo and search for, for us on there, you can you can donate. Um, please also do like our pages on Facebook and Instagram. Share to anyone who's a pro-choicer. 
um, it will all help us just get this film finished and get it out there. Yeah, it's the trailer looks amazing. I really hope that people get to watch this and they get, you know, proper information about what's going on in Argentina. Do you find that this is something that isn't really covered in mainstream media? I don't think it is. And I think it's it's really difficult because I think in countries, for example, such as, you know, the UK or in places where perhaps we do have the choice and it's it's legal, it's you kind of live in a, in a bubble. And I think people, you know, want to just hear about things that are going on here and and aren't necessarily as interested in what's going on on the other side of the world. A lot of people are, a lot of people that I speak to are, but you just don't see it in the media. I think mm -hmm. the media kind of perhaps portrays, you know, uh, a nicer, kind of freer life here, rather than focusing on what's going on in the rest of the world. And it is just really important. It's really, um, you know, it's really vital that we know what's going on and that we try and fight for change because yes, we might have the choice here and we're freer here, but in other parts of the world, you know, people aren't. And it's it's something that mm -hmm. really needs to change. For people who don't live in Argentina, is there anything they can do if they feel passionate about this? If you feel passionate about it, I think the best thing you can do is, you know, share things on your social media, um, look into it, read about it, donate to our film so that we can get the story out there, spread mm -hmm. awareness, all of those kind of things. Um, you know, I think people will continue to fight in Argentina. There'll continue to be marches. There'll continue to be protests and campaigns going on there. And I think just, yeah, just being knowledgeable about it and sharing and spreading, spreading the word around is, is what you can do to help at the moment. Because Amazing. all of that, I think all of the, all of the pressure and all of the support that comes from the other countries around the world as well will help to put pressure on the Senate and pressure on the country for change. Because I think often, you know, if, you, if you're just in a country and you're in that bubble, um, it can be sort of very closed to, you know, um, what's what's traditionally gone on there. Whereas if there's pressure from other countries worldwide, I think that has a bigger impact sometimes because, you know, you might look at Argentina might think, well, you know, it's, it's changing in Ireland, it's changed in the U in the UK it's, it's legal and you know in different countries and hopefully that will put pressure on there for them to change as well mm -hmm. well thank you so much for coming on the show this is an amazing topic and I can tell how passionate you are about this the trailer looks amazing I'm sure the the full project is going to be just as amazing uh, thank you for covering something like this it's so important to get independent journalists out there on the streets covering and you know showing the side of view that a lot of people would be afraid or hesitant to show you know by interviewing the crazy baby lady so thank you so much for all the work that you've done thank you yeah no it has been really really hard to to sort of get it going but as i say we're both me and andrew are are really passionate about it so we really just want to make sure that we do get this film finished thank you so much lucy de cruz for uh coming on the show thank you for your time thank you so much for having me on the show and yeah as i say like all the support that we can get and the help that we can get to finish this film i really really appreciate um from myself lucy de cruz and andrew gold who is the presenter and journalist in the film Thanks so much and do keep spreading the word and do keep supporting the pro-choice movement. Oh, and one last thing before I forget. Will this documentary be available in Spanish and in English or just in English? So there are parts of the film that are in English and parts that are in Spanish, as you'll see if you watch our trailer, which is available on our, on our crowdfunder page. Um, we'd love to be able to get both a Spanish and an English version out there. Of course, 
depends on what broadcasting platform we're able to get the film out onto as to whether it's in English or Spanish but eventually we'd love to do both versions and have them available online so that every every viewer can watch them I think it's such an important story to get out there to the rest of the world so we'd love to be able to do both versions so that it's it's accessible to all viewers amazing thank you so much Lucy thank you once again to everyone who listened this week a special thank you to Lucy de Cruz and to her documentary, Abortion, My Body, Their Choice. A special shout out to all the independent journalists out there that are unafraid to speak to people with perspectives that are different than their own and unafraid to cover important moments in history like this. Subscribe to the show. It's the only way to get alerted. It's the only way to know when we drop new episodes. We always got new, interesting people with interesting passions and interesting backgrounds. So... Stay tuned. Got some more awesome episodes that I can't wait to release. And yeah, subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, help us grow the show. If you like what we speak about, if you like that we talk to people about all different types of things and you enjoy the guests that come on here and the passion that they bring, then yeah, support the show. My name is Xavier Diaz and this was A Pretty Normal Podcast.